Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. I'm really excited here. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've done an interview podcast, and I want to thank all of the folks that have reached out to me on a personal level. Uh, these last couple of weeks have been pretty tough, pretty tough on me, uh, but uh, working through it with uh, the love of my wife and family and, and especially my friends uh, with with the, the loss of our, our good buddy Moose. Uh, so, But it's good to be back and, and talking basketball here on a pen and a napkin. Uh, and speaking of which, we, of course, have to thank our, our podcast sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice online at CossackChiro.com or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at A Pen and a Napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on A Pen and a Napkin, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, be sure to follow, or if you're listening, of course, you're on Spotify or iTunes. So like, rate, review, give us a five-star review so that we can move up in the rankings. We just want to help coaches hone their craft one day at a time. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Our guest today is the man, the myth, the legend out of central Nebraska. Don't chuckle. You know it's true, Rick. You know it's true. Uh, <laughs> no, his humility. Uh, to be honest, I think I've asked you to be on here two or three times, and you, I think you're avoiding me. And finally, I think I talked you into it, Rick. Yeah, here I am, right? Yeah. Well, better late than never. That's true. So Rick Petrie, uh, the girls basketball coach at Kearney Catholic High School. Um, just excited to have him on. We've uh, we've never played each other in a real game, but we've played each other in the summertime numerous times and and uh, just always respected what Coach Petrie has done with his program and and the records and the, uh, the accomplishments speak for themselves. So uh, coach, are you getting any snow out there in Kearney this fine Sunday morning? Yes. It's getting close. It's uh, a lot colder this morning, and uh, yeah, it, it won't be long. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's one of those October dustings, and then it melts, and then we're in the clear for a few more weeks. So. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Not ready for uh, snow right now, so. Yeah. Well, you don't want to watch a playoff football game in the snow on a Friday night right now, I, I would assume. No, I really don't. Oh, oh, very nice, very nice. So, well, let's jump into it, Coach. Here, um, you've been at Carney Catholic uh, for for quite a while, but just for for the folks that don't know a lot about you, kind of give them your background and 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 how you've ended how you ended up at at Carney Catholic. Well, that's, it's an odd way, or, or I guess it's kind of a circle, or it's just really weird how you end up and how God puts you at different places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I graduated from Northern Colorado in Greeley, um, went out, tried my hand at golf a little bit, um, made a little bit of money, but not enough to continue, and um, then had a couple different jobs, went to work for a um, wood products manufacturing company as an accountant, and <laughs> worked there for a few years, and they decided to close their... Close the 
was at, and so um, they offered a severance, and I, my dad's a teacher, and my wife's a teacher, and so I went back to school and got my certificate, and um, then we moved to Laurel, Nebraska, okay. from Greeley, Colorado. Uh-huh. Um, my wife's folks are from Yankton, and so it was Laurel's about an hour south of Yankton, so um, honestly... Uh, I was a para for four years and then and, uh, and ended up being the athletic director the last three. Mm-hmm. And so um, stepped into the girls' basketball assistant role the first year I was there, and then they let him go, and I guess I was convenient, and <laughs> that started this whole process. Mm-hmm. So I was a Laurel um, four years, and then... Um, I guess the whole Catholic school thing and middle of Nebraska kind of between uh, families worked for us, and so we moved here. Um, again, you know, uh, we moved here without my wife having a job, and, you know, that's always a little scary, but she's such a good teacher, she got one right away. So, mm-hmm. so it all worked out, and here I and this is my 24th year at Kearney Catholic. Yeah, we did that when we came to Omaha as well. You know, I had a job, but my wife didn't, and it, it all it all worked out. We found a way to make it work. So, well, it, it's been a heck of a run at, at Kearney Catholic. Uh, 500 wins, you, you reached that last season. Um, and, you know, I thought it was interesting. You, you just kind of shrugged it off, and you didn't even know <laughs> until your daughter told you uh, that, hey, this is, this is number 500. Uh, obviously... You know, you you have you have to have a lot of really really good players to win 500 games in the course of a career. Uh, but what what was that like? Um, was there much reflection, or was it like, okay, that's great, we got to move on to the next one? Pretty much, that's it. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that yeah, it's a great accomplishment, but it, it's more about the players that you've had in the past and the successes that they've had. Um, you know, I'm just kind of a guide sometimes. Mm-hmm. What's it been like having your daughter on staff with you? Um, I, you know, I did a little bit of that with my son, but it was AAU. It wasn't the daily grind uh, type of a thing. But what's what's that been like? It's both fun and challenging. <laughs> <laughs> go into more detail coach and and, well, and and she may be listening here so <laughs> that's true no it's it's been a lot of fun i enjoy having her around um having played at the collegiate level and, and coached at that level um you know she's a wealth of knowledge um uh, the challenging part comes in when we don't disagree or when we disagree on how to do things and um, sometimes she's stubborn, I'm stubborn, so <laughs> it takes a, a bit of communication to work through um, what we really are hoping to accomplish and how we can go about that thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's kind of been fun to have her on staff, and she's teaching at school now, and so yeah, looking forward to a few more years of this. Do, does she give you? Uh the, the perspective now that she's obviously not playing and, and she's coached, uh, does she give you the perspective of 
well, Dad, this is, they may be saying this, but this is what they really mean uh, when, they, when they say this, or, or things like that. The, 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 great, the other great thing about having her on staff is the girls go to her. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and so you know, she's kind of the go-between, and, and she, they'll talk to her way before they'll talk to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she can really, she really does a great job of relaying what they are trying to say and what we're trying to accomplish, and and so from that aspect, it's, it's been really great to have her on staff. Does she, you know, does, is, it, is it one of those things like father, like daughter? You know, you're, you're both pretty stubborn, and when you start digging in, it's just like, ah, you're gnashing your teeth, but you kind of sometimes have to sit back and go, ah, yeah, she's probably right, even though I think, I know, I think I'm really right in my heart, but I know my mind is telling me she's right, and at the dinner table, she's going to win this one tonight. Uh, you know, sometimes that's how it is. It just, <laughs> you know, and especially with your own kids. It's, um, you know, I learned a long time ago when she was a freshman in high school that, you know, you got to make sure that you're communicating a little bit better and you can't be totally hard on her because when she was a freshman, I was probably harder on her than, than the rest of the kids on the team, and, and she was frustrated. And so from that point... I'm really trying to make an effort to to uh, do a better job of communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are you are in a not a unique situation for a school your size, but most of the coaches that I've talked to on the pod uh, are just the the coach, and that's and that's what their focus is. But your uh, your job is to coach and to be your own boss as an athletic director, which is nice for your job security. Um, but, but then you're also teaching a few classes as well. Uh, but how do, you keep, how do you keep that balance of coach and AD and, and filling these, these two completely different roles? And, you know, perhaps sometimes I would think it would be tough at times where you have to go to coach of x sport and i won't say any specific one but you're like hey jimmy or 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 becky uh you know you got to be careful about how you handle this situation uh but then you're kind of thinking in your own mind well two years ago i probably didn't handle this same situation as best as i could uh but yet i have to um not you know i have to be the administrator in this situation, you know, what's that, what's that balance like for you? And and how do you, how do you work your way through it? How do you navigate your way through that? You know, I I think the biggest thing that I've learned over time is, um, to talk to people, talk to the coaches, try to develop relationships with our coaches. Um, I haven't always been the best at it, to be quite honest. And, um, fortunately I've had great administrators that have um, taught me. Um, my wife continues to encourage me on the communication aspect of, of life, and so um, I think that's a big help mm-hmm. to, to be able to have that relationship with your coaches so that you can actually, when you have to talk to them about difficult things or things that have come up, um, you know, there's a little bit of 
it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, uh, when you're able to do that, it works. Mm-hmm. How do you guys? How do you guys build that camaraderie? And I mean, it's it's probably just for the sheer logistics. You're you're in a smaller school, which in in that regard probably helps some. Uh, but what are some things that you've done there to to build that camaraderie within your staff, uh, within your coaching staff, within your teaching staff as a, as an administrator to to make those situations a little bit more navigable? I think just talking to people, trying to get you know, talking to teachers on a daily basis and and you know even at the tie you know how are things going whatever the case may be it's it's just that daily communication that they know that you're available um for them and um, trying to do that is a big help and a small school and you know we have a number of coaches that are outside the school too and mm-hmm. a lot of schools have gone to um you know, and again, you're just trying to communicate, whether it's whether it's email, text messages, phone calls, whatever, just talking about the things that um, are on the horizon, things that they need to think about to get done or, or things that are going to come up. And, and then it's just, again, you know, um, a little bit of give and take here and there goes mm-hmm. a long way. Yeah. Um as we get ready here, we're winding down the, the fall sports season, as we referred to, you know, football in Nebraska here. We're starting the playoffs next week. Uh, volleyball's heading into postseason play. All in all, uh, I think it's been very successful. We've, you know, there's been a couple bumps in the road and, you know, uh, there's been more than one situation where teams are getting on a bus and they're like, ah, no, we can't go to, you know, X school because they just had a positive COVID you know, diagnosis with their team. And so we got to, we got to, we got to stay home and that type of stuff. But all in all, I think, um, everyone, uh, from coaches to administrators to the kids have done a, a nice job of, of protecting themselves and making sure that we move forward with, uh, under, under the circumstances that we're under. Uh, but now we're entering the winter sports season. Uh, I guess, first of all, Rick, what, what do you think, uh, some of the lessons that we learned with COVID, this fall that we're going to carry into the winter sports season uh, that's going to help the winter sports season be hopefully even more uh, possible on a consistent basis than it, uh, than the fall was? Well, I really hope that we continue to follow the protocols that um, most schools have. You know, um, I don't, we're in, in a total mass situation and a number of schools um, are, are in that same boat. And I think that most of the, the problems that we've seen, at least here at Carnegie Catholic, have been with outside contacts. Mm-hmm. Or, you know... Same at our place. Come, come up with it. Or, mm-hmm. But there's really not been school spread here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with the things that we're doing here. And yeah, the kids don't always like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it either, <laughs> but you know, if you follow what we're what you're supposed to do, I think we're in a pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. What uh, What do you see for the winter sports season? Because you know, in in football, you're you're outdoors. You can spread out some in in most stadiums. 
um, whether it's in the bleachers or you're sitting around. I mean, you just have this monstrous, it's a 100-yard field by a 53-yard field. So um, you, you've got plenty of space. Uh, what, you know, I would think basketball would follow probably more of the volleyball mandates that have been uh, that have been put into place because it's obviously in the same type of facilities. We're going to be in gymnasiums. It's going to be indoors, um, roughly the same uh, amount of people involved with each program when it comes to players and coaches, that type of thing. Is, is that kind of what we you envision as we as we head into the winter sports season? I do, and I I, I don't know if it's going to be even a little bit more restrictive. Um, you know, right now our volleyball kids um, practice and they do play with masks in place. Now, can you do that with basketball with all the running involved? I don't know. That's a good question. I guess that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same for wrestling. I mean, yeah. you have so much contact there, and, and you know, wrestling meets are, are a big question, and do you really want all those people there? And, and what sort of things can you do as a school to prevent something from happening at your place if you host a wrestling meet? Those are all things. You know that we're talking about and trying to be, I guess, a little bit more forward-thinking on, on what we can do um, in the future. But I, I really think that um, you know there are a number of schools that have the option to wear masks when you participate, and um, I just don't know where that's going to go and what the state's going to even say about that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I have an option for for wrestling, just have them go WWE, you know, just, 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 just two guys in there, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, if, if you need to go steel cage, then you go steel cage, but no, no battle Royals. How about that? There we go. Yeah. Um, no, that would be awkward. Um, no, no, no chair matches or ladder matches or anything like that. So, um, you, uh, you guys at Kearney Catholic, uh, not only in girls basketball, but in a multitude of sports, you've had a lot of really, really nice success, but your kids have crossed over and been really, really successful in multiple sports. What, you know, is that an institutional thing? Uh, how have you guys been able to balance that, um, and, and, and to get your coaches to cooperate and to give and to take uh, with within the seasons and that type of stuff. Just just how have you guys been able to maintain so much success and so many different activities while sharing so many of, of the student athletes, but yet they're, they're highly skilled kids that are highly successful at, at not only the regional level, but qualifying for the state tournament and then having success at the state tournament level? Well, it's tough sometimes. I mean, everybody wants what's best for their program, obviously, but there has to be some give and take because we only have so many athletes here at school, and, um, you know, you you want to be able to allow those students the opportunity to do whatever they want, uh, whether it be play football and basketball and run track or play soccer, tennis, whatever it is. Um, so you have to have some cooperation between your coaches. Is it always great? No, absolutely not. You know, there's, and then there's the whole. You mean adults would argue over children? <laughs> I'm stunned. Imagine that, huh? Oh, I'm. I'm yeah. I don't know if I can or continue I want, with this, I want Rick. This kid out for track, and I want this kid out for soccer, and yeah. So 
oh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm just holding on to myself here so I don't fall over. So. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and then there's the whole club thing too that mixes in with that whole uh, dynamic is, you know, do you, do you want kids doing club stuff during your season and how do you handle that as a coach? And um, so... That's a, that's an interesting yeah. question. That's an inter- interesting question because that's something that I know, obviously, in the Omaha and Lincoln areas with the massive amount of club sports that we have here. Uh, what? How do you guys do that? How do you handle do you, do you have a school-wide policy? Do you leave it up to the coaches? Because I think that is, uh, that is the biggest threat to our to our kids' long-term health. Uh, when it comes to sport, there, there, there are benefits, obviously there's huge benefits to, to club activities. They're more skilled. They get more exposure to the sport, but then you, you have burnout, mental burnout, you have physical burnout, you have, uh, kids that, that get to college and they can't play after a year or two just because their body has, has given out, uh, because they, they just don't have any more to give. Um, do you guys have a, a club policy there? I, I, and, and, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? Honestly, we really don't have a policy per se, mm-hmm. um, but we do, um, I guess there are a limited number of, of kids who do do some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some kids that play indoor soccer during the winter. We have, obviously, the club volleyball is is big around here, and um, but we've been kind of fortunate there. Um last few years a lot of the high school girls um have kind of waited toward the tail end of our season before they started practice Mm -hmm. before they started getting really involved with their club volleyball team so that's been a big help um you don't have kids you know going to volleyball tournaments playing all day on sunday and then trying to come back and have a productive practice on monday or even a game on monday and and so Mm -hmm. You know, as a coach, I've asked the kids, when we get down to conference in district time, please, I don't want you going to club stuff. You get hurt there. That kind of takes away from what we're trying to accomplish. And and for the most part, our kids have been pretty reasonable about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you guys were in a really unique situation. Well, you you were you were in a, a conference called the Lou Platt Conference, and and you were in there for quite a long time, and and it was enrollment wise, it was uh, schools of a similar size, obviously, um, and then you were, for lack of a better way of saying it, you were kicked out of your of your conference. I mean, you were, you know, um, we were, yeah. and and. You know, uh, uh, the the biggest issue is was it, it seems to me from from what I read, um, you know, you were the 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 school in the big town. Now, now, Carney will will not be mistaken for Los Angeles or or Boston or downtown Manhattan here, but uh, you're in a town of what's Carney about thirty thousand people ish. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're in a town of 30,000 people and, and you've got kids that are coming from all over, but your enrollment is exactly the same as everybody else. Um, uh, you were you were kicked out of the conference. Um, and then you 
so you go searching for another conference, and not only that, not one. So you're kind of sounding like my dating when I was in high school, Rick. Uh, you know, I just got you guys got turned down over and over again. Uh, yeah, two two other conferences, and then you finally, yep, yeah, and then you finally got accepted into uh, the Centennial uh, Conference, which you've been in the last year or two. Um, how crazy was that? I mean, as the AD you're dealing with, and, and essentially you were kicked out because of activities. Um, and, you know, just, and I'm, and I'm, I'm guessing you, you're, you're probably going to take the high road and, and that's, I would expect nothing more than that. Uh, but just what was that process like for your school, for your kids? How did your kids react to that? Uh, how did your coaches react to that? I mean, just going through all that craziness and you're the leader of the athletics and activities department and, and just kind of feeling like you were out there on an island all by yourself. Yeah, you know, and the, the frustrating thing was we went through a, a time where we had some really, really good female athletes, mm-hmm. student athletes, and that was the time where we experienced a lot of success both uh, within the conference and, and at the state level. And, and so... But as things go, it goes in cycles a lot of times, and we could see that that was going to change. But um, people from some other schools decided that that the demographics didn't fit their situation anymore, and so um, they gave us a couple of years to look around. And as you said, <laughs> we approached a couple other conferences, and and uh, they determined it wasn't quite the fit that they were looking for and I I don't know if it's the whole private school public school thing Mm -hmm. or the size of the school whatever it was and then uh, finally the Centennial Conference um, agreed to take us in and our kids were frustrated you know it's you have relationships with schools that are 20 miles away and and for how long and then all of a sudden those go away Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, but on the other hand, um, I can understand their perspective too. So, um, it, it's one of those unique things that I hope nobody else has to go through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it wasn't fun and it was uh, challenging and then to have to deal with the whole schedule issue of trying to get games dropped and games added and, and and put on an appropriate place on our schedule so that we're not heavy here or heavy there or, mm-hmm. you know, 10 games at home this this year and 10 away next. You know, we, we tried to find a balance and I think we're pretty close to where we want to be right now. Well, and, and I'm sure it was in some ways, you know, we want our kids to, we, we, we tell our kids to do the best that you can at everything that you do. And then you have to come back to your kids and say, essentially, we're being ostracized because we're just doing too well. And right. and, 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 and I think that's, you know, I, I, I would have a hard time saying that to, to my kids. I would, I would not have to... Uh, you know, hey, girls, sorry, sorry we're, we're, we're working really hard. We're putting in good time. You're good athletes. You're good students. You're doing things the right way. And because of that, 
were being ostracized. And I think that'd be, that would have been a tough conversation to have with my student athletes and, and having to explain it to them in that regard. Oh, absolutely. It was, you know, and, and, you know, we had some great kids at the time and, and they're frustrated and coaches are frustrated and, you know, everybody's trying to come up with different solutions. Um, especially after we had, um, been denied a couple times, it's like, okay, well, what can we do now? Can we start in our own conference? Can we, you know, talk to these schools and, and, but in the long run, I guess it is what it is. And, you know, we're going to compete wherever we're at. Yep. And that's all you can do. And that's all you can do is, is just, that's the, that's the team in front of us tonight. And, and we're going to go out and, and we're going to get after it. And it doesn't, doesn't matter who it is. And, and, let's just let's just give it our all and and let's see what the score looks like at the end of the evening and that's that's all you can do and and you try to minimize the focus on the other stuff oh absolutely yep yep all right rick well hey we're going to transition here um we're going to go into our our don meyer quote of the day um the the goat don meyer here um and i'll throw this out there and, and if you want to comment on it feel free um but the Don Meyer quote of the day is, complacency is the forerunner of mediocrity. You can never work too hard on attitudes, effort, and technique. That is the I'm Don not, Meyer quote of the day. I'm not certainly going to disagree with, with Coach Meyer. You know, <laughs> it, uh, um, when I first got started, I read a lot of his stuff and watched a lot of his tapes. And... and um, had the pleasure to meet him um, actually at a, at a Hall of Fame banquet at Northern Colorado a few years back and so uh, yeah it's uh, not going to disagree with one of the best of all time that's for sure yeah absolutely yeah and I, and I love the part about and I think that says a lot about your kids at Kearney Catholic you know um, great attitudes work hard on their technique work hard on on their craft um, you know they do things the right way out there and it and it shows year in year out with the with the culture that you guys have built at the school there so um well let's get into some basketball stuff here coacher um let's talk a little bit about well we talked about four things transition defense rebounding passing and specials what do you want to talk about first rick i'll give i'll give you the the option here (laughs) i really don't care you know i'm um, you want to just go in the order of what's on my sheet? That's great. All right, let's talk about transition defense then. Uh, your guys' philosophy, maybe some some drills, um, a drill idea or two that you have to help teach your your defensive transition, and what you do there, uh, how you position it in your practices. Uh, I'm just going to let you cook here, Rick. So uh, if 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 I uh, if I feel like throwing something in or throwing a question in there, I'll, I'll just kind of jump in when I feel it's appropriate. But the floor is yours, sir. Well, when it comes to transition, that that's certainly an issue um, for a lot of teams, and, and it, it can be for us as well. Um, so we try and do a lot of odd-number games, five-on-four, four-on-three, where it forces our kids to communicate and talk and try and keep, um, first, the ball from getting to the rim. And then, um, you know, then it's a communication. 
communication and rotation thing on, on what we like to do and and um, so I think having said that like I said we do a lot of five on four four on three stuff and just work on the communication aspect of transition because if you can't talk um, you can't play in basketball it makes makes it difficult for you it makes it difficult for your teammates as well and so I guess when it comes to transition those th- those are really the biggest things that we do mm-hmm. is there is there any um, is there any one or two uh, drills that you guys run uh, are you are you talking about you know do you have designated kids that that crash the glass and you got designated get back kids or uh, what do you guys do in that regard? You know, we we talk about you know if if you're above the free throw line, then you're probably not going to go rebound because we don't want to give up easy baskets. Mm-hmm. I think that that's um, not a great recipe for success is to give up layup after layup, even off misses and even off makes. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get kids back to defend a little bit. So. Um, that's kind of been our philosophy um, over the years is, you know, if you're on, above the free throw line, you're back. Um, now, if you happen to be moving forward, you know, there are some situations are different than others. And, and part of the part of the process is learning to read the situation as well. And, and that's, you know, hopefully we can um, give the kids a little bit of instruction as, as to what makes sense. Uh, in a particular situation as well. Mm-hmm. How much how much time do you guys spend on defensive transition when you're in practice, and kind of where do you where do you slot that at? Well, you know, what are you guys communicating um, while while you're working on it? Honestly, I probably don't spend as much time as I should. I, you know, I would say maybe we spend fifteen minutes twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and just do certain certain drills that we like, um, and and so that's as much as I really spend time with it. We kind of we kind of put it in the middle of practice, so is is usually where it, where it happens. Um, we do some initial initial um, I don't warm up drills, and and then some things that we want to work on, and then that usually falls into that category and so that's kind of where we put it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's, let's flip it to the, to the other way here. Uh, your rebounding philosophy, your, your rebounding, you know, how do you teach rebounding at, at Kearney Catholic and what, um, you know, how do you drill that in? Uh, what do you guys do? Um, just with everything with your with your rebounding stuff here uh, to to help control the boards. I know there was one year you guys came over to our place for our for our summer shootout at Scott and six one six one six two six one. I'm like, well, we're not going to get a damn rebound today. I can see that right now, but not you know that was that was one stretch of of one really good team that uh, that you had there. But uh, you know, what do you guys? Uh, how do you guys teach that? What do you guys do to, to put together to try and, and control the boards on a nightly basis? You know, I think one of the things you, you, that, that's tough to teach but is important is the desire to rebound. 
you know, you have, have kids that have to want to go get to basketball at times and not just expect it to come to them and not, you know, okay, I'm going to get in front of this person and, and I'm going to consider that blocking somebody out or um, something like that. But then you have to go pursue the ball. You have to go get it. Um, and, you know, we try and do some, some two-on-two things with rebounding and that sort of thing um, for practice. Occasionally, we'll do some five-on-five stuff um, where we circle up and then go, you know, shoot the ball from the outside and go block somebody out. And that, but unless I'm really frustrated, we probably don't use that drill a whole lot. <laughs> funny, funny how those drills come out when you're a little frustrated with your team. Exactly, exactly. Okay, what are we going to do today to to emphasize this a little bit, you know? And so, um, and then honestly, in practice, we just, we talk to the kids about, you know, shot goes up, here's what we want to do, and here's what we want to see. And, you know, some kids are better at it than others. Mm -hmm. Some kids are just, they'll do it instinctively, and they'll put themselves in a great position to rebound other kids. It's like pulling teeth to get them to, to do what you want. And yet, you know, they can still be effective, but you know in your heart that that's not the best that they, they can do. Mm-hmm. And so you want a little bit more for them. How do, how do you communicate that with with the kid? I mean, is it uh, one-on-one? Do you, do you pull them aside? Hey, Mary you know, you're getting three rebounds a game, but you should be getting five or six boards a game. And, you know, I, I just think there's more in there. You, you got to play with a, a more of a motor or, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you try to get a kid to, to get better at that? I guess, you know, is, is the $64,000 question here. So. Yeah. And I think, the, I think the one-on-one communication is essential. Um, because if a player doesn't know what your expectations are or even um, your belief in them, mm-hmm. you know, I think that sometimes that goes a long way. You know, you know as a coach, you can see what they're capable of. Um, how do you communicate that to them is really important because um, instilling confidence in a player can make a huge difference in what they're able to achieve. And I think that um, whether it's rebounding, shooting, whatever it is, defense, um, I think that the the one-on-one communication goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Do you guys spend a bunch of time on technique, you know, uh, right forearm in, step through this way, or is it more of, of Izzo, you know, hit him, and, and get them, you know, type of a thing, and just, just go get the I, doggone basketball. I would say we we fall in the latter category. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, at, at our level, I, I just think that um, desire outweighs technique sometimes. Oh, I love that. And so, um, you know, if we, can, if we can have kids who want to go get the ball and want to do what, you know, want to make the effort, then, you know, I don't really care if, if they've, you know, bumped them with their elbow or, or stepped on their foot, whatever they need to do to go get the basketball. I, I think, you know, that's a big key for us. Uh, 
I see. I, I see how it is at Carney Catholic. Little dirty tricks here. Step on the foot. Step on the toe. You know, win it all. Yeah, those are those are things that we're supposed to do at our age, not when they're their age, Rick. Yeah. I know. Yeah. No, we don't teach that. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, I, I don't. I can't play with the with the players anymore. I just physically can't do it. Um, uh, unless they want an ambulance to visit or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I certainly understand that. <laughs> so we. Uh, uh, I, you know, when I, towards the end, I would say, you know, all right, you know, here's an old man trick, you know, when, when something like that would happen and, and, the, you know, the girls would laugh and that type of thing. But, uh, that, that's, that, that's old school playground. I'm going to get away with what I can get away with stuff there. I, I admire that in you, coach Petrie, that, that, that's, uh, that, that you're thinking that way. So, uh, um, one thing we have not talked about a lot on the pod, but very underestimated in the game, and I don't think we, and, and I'll throw myself um, into this, uh, passing the basketball. Um, you know, we got all, we got all these trainers, and, and even as us as coaches, we, uh, you know, we work on ball handling, we work on shooting, uh, but we don't do a ton with passing and emphasizing the pass and where does the pass need to go and 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 how do you know at what point do we hit somebody that type of thing? Um, what do you guys do as far as teaching passing and passing fundamentals? Um, I know that's one thing when we get into it here in a few weeks, we're really going to emphasize how we want to pass the ball and where do we want to hit people at and and the spacing on the cutter as to where uh, they should be at so that the pass can hit them when we want it to hit them. So so what are some things that you guys do out there to emphasize taking care of the basketball while passing the ball, but also putting yourself in the best position you can to score when you're passing the ball? I think for us, Marty, the biggest thing we do, and, and we do a lot of this, is we play a ton of two-on-two, three-on-three, and four-on-four. I would say... 40% of our practice is spent doing that. Within that time frame, we're talking about, and we have um, drills leading up to that, that, that we expect them not only to work on their shooting, but we're working on passing all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to throw the ball, um, leading people on cuts, throwing the ball to the outside versus the inside hand. Um, whatever it may be, but that's where we try and spend um, a lot of our a lot of our time, and that's where we do a lot of our teaching is in some of those um, drills like that, and just talk them through how how do we get the ball best to our post player? You know, what what do you need to see from the post player before I throw it in? Before you throw it into, or what do what do we want the post player to be doing? Um, where do we want the guards to catch the ball? How do we get the ball there? I think those are things that naturally we just continue to talk about within the scope of what we're trying to do um, rather than just do a passing drill. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's, a, that's a great teaching um, moment 
or or process. I really like that. Um, you know, you're 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 in the flow of things, and it's not just okay. Here's this preset drill, but here we are breaking it down two on two, three on three. Do you? What are some things when you're breaking down um, those two on two, three on three, four on fours? What are some other things that you could uh, that you guys do to help? emphasize some of those things as well i mean do you have situations where you're like okay every time you touch it you only get one dribble or uh we're not gonna you know no ball screens or all ball screens right now or some different things to emphasize other different movements within the game to just teach your players to play not necessarily teaching your players plays yes all the above okay so we'll 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 start out um it may be we're going to go three sets of four minutes. First four minutes, absolutely no ball screens. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. We need to learn how to cut. We need to learn how to get open. You know, then it may be the next four minutes we're going to start with a ball screen. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Um, maybe for four minutes, we're going to try and score without dribbling at all. Mm-hmm. So what do you need to do? Or, you know, it, Sometimes three on three, we'll we'll just run one side of the floor too. Again, mm-hmm. you're trying to put kids in positions to to learn. Um, this is this is where my daughter really comes in because she spends a great deal of our time on defense, mm-hmm. and so especially in in the three on three and four and four, and um, you know we've really tried to emphasize the communication aspect too because sometimes our girls don't talk very much and when they do they see the difference it makes defensively you know there's more energy there's more they have fun it's just a better atmosphere for the kids so but you know I have to give Caitlin a lot of credit because that's where she really shines you hear that, Caitlin? Dad's giving you credit right now. So the next time you get in an argument at a at the at the kitchen table, you can bring this back to him here. So, um, no, I really like that, and I and I I really like splitting the court in half uh, because that's a realistic scenario that you've got this m- amount of space, even though you're not going five on five, but three kids on a side is extremely realistic in our sport. Uh, so you've got here's the space that you have to work with. Uh, we're just narrowing it down to three on three instead of having five on five here. But it's still the same concepts and it's still still the same space that you're going to work with essentially. So you got to figure out a way to make it work. And, and that's that, it exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, what uh, what are some things you know? Other things with your passing. You're talking about that. Uh, you know, weekend passing, is that something that you guys work on? How do you, uh, how do you get it? Because I've always, that's one thing I've always struggled with is to get our kids to be um, as as strong with their weekend as they are with their strong hand and feeling comfortable making that pass with the weekend. Or is there is there times where you just emphasize that as well? Or, or how would you uh, teach that within your program as well? Well, again, we do... Um some drills at the beginning of the practice where we're working on um, we have a, several drills that are basically three person drills and and we're using both hands to pass and and that sort of thing we're working on 
passing the cutters. We're working on, um, you know, putting ourselves using both hands. Can we can we do it off the dribble? Can we make the pass off the dribble? Do we have to pick it up? Um, you know, we do try and do some of those things um, within the scope of our practice. Uh, and I would say probably four out of five days that we practice, we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what what could you give us, and I know the medium is not the best, uh, but what could you give us as far as uh, a couple of, of sets, uh, a couple of specials that you guys run, whether against, whether it's against man or zone, uh, but what are a couple of uh, plays that you like to, to put out there? And I don't want to give away all the secrets of the Carney Catholic stars here. Um, <laughs> As as uh, you know, Hastings St. Cecilia is, is scribbling this down as they listen to it, or whoever whoever else, uh, David City Aquinas, so forth and so on. But uh, you know, what are what are a couple of plays that you like to run, Rick? That maybe you could share with our our listeners and, and describe what's going on in those actions. That's, honestly, we don't have many. Okay. I, I think I think we ran four sets, four different sets last year, and that's about it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to steal 50% of your playbook. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you might do. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what you might do. So, well, no, you know, um, some of it's just um, using sets to get into um, maybe we want to get some particular movement. Sometimes we get a little stagnant in, in our motion or, or offense that we do run. So... You know, we'll run we'll run a set where we'll pass to a wing, um, um, personal cut to the corner. Uh, we'll pop the post up. Um, is this out of a is this out of a three out two in or four out or? Yeah. Okay. It's actually it's kind of more like four out one in. Okay. So basically, guard at the top, two wings, um, post. We'll put the other, the other um, wing in the on the opposite side of where we're going to pass to. Okay. And basically, the opposite side, two people are screening down just to get some movement. So we got to make that those guys play some defense. And so we end up passing the ball to the wing, cut to the corner, and try and hit the post at the high post. And then we're we're back cutting right away from the wing. But really, what we're trying to do is we're going to take the post player, have them dribble a couple dribbles, and bring a girl around for a handoff. Okay. Or, or a three-pointer, depending on the girl. It just depends. Some some teams that we've had, um, they cheat it. Um, we've had kids smart enough um, to stop and just hit the three. Sometimes they're going to take the handoff and try and get to the basket. And if the, if the corner person ends up, Helping that ends up being a wide open three, and so just just to get some movement and stuff um, is why we use them, and, and a lot of them we just use after timeouts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? Why do you? Let me ask you this, you know, and, and everybody's got their own different philosophy. Uh, you're, you're saying, well, I got I got four plays. Um, I, I could have guys on here that would say I've got forty plays. You know what has been what has been influential in your philosophy that 
you know, I'm not going to run uh, a crap ton of sets here. Uh, we got we got four or five plays that we can run, and and then the rest of the time we're just gonna we're just gonna play ball. Right. When I first came to Carnegie Athletic, um, we ran a lot of sets. Uh huh. And then every time we play Centura and Coach Benton Brink, <laughs> yes, she's already, she's already calling out the sets. She's already telling her kids where to go and. and that just frustrated the, the heck out of me. And so um, I just slowly changed my philosophy, mm-hmm. found something that I, that I like, and, and we're trying to um, get better at it and, and that sort of thing. And so it makes us a little less predictable. Um, we do some things that offensively are maybe a little more predictable than I would like, but at the same time, um, our kids have a lot of freedom and flexibility in what they what they can do, and I, I think that that makes us a little more difficult to scout sometimes. And, and mm-hmm. um, so that that's that's it in a nutshell. I just got tired of <laughs> tired of of that happening, and so we went a different route. Yeah. Well, do you think some of it is also Rick? And I, and I found this with myself as I get older. I feel more confident in how I can teach just playing basketball rather than when I was, you know, when you're younger, you think you you have to uh, either structure it so that there's not a lot of room for air or you're just not really sure. Uh, you know what you want it to look like, but you're not really, you know, you don't know I can give up this to get that. Uh, type of a thing, and I think that's that's one thing that I've gone through. Is the the older I've gotten and the more experienced I've gotten, the more comfortable I feel with. Okay, I feel like I can teach it. I have the knowledge now to teach this aspect of just playing basketball instead of feeling like okay, we have to put in a set play to to do this. Does that make sense? Yes, and it does, and I and I think that's very true, and I, I think that. Um, you know, the, the older I've gotten, the less that I feel like I have to control everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that, um, so that's kind of why we try and um, be a little bit more flexible in what we allow our kids to do. Um, now, I'm always looking for good sets, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. If, if we see something, we'll put something in. But um, like I said, I think we only ran four different ones last year. I, you know, and maybe I need to be a little bit more... Um, have a couple more in there, but that's that's something that um, I'd rather spend time teaching the kids how to play mm-hmm. versus versus what to run. Yeah, and and I think that's uh, a very valid that's a valid idea. And I think with with the scouting and and the advancements in scouting, you know, when when you and I both started. I mean, if you if if you got two VHS tapes on somebody, you felt like you had just <laughs> you did good. <laughs> yeah, this this is this is gold, you know. Uh, and now you can access every game if you wanted to, and you can chart it all out, and you can and and you can go to the huddle assist and figure out where number twenty two likes to shoot her shots, um, and and her hot zones and her cold zones and and all that type of thing. Um, so I think it serves to the advantages of coaches um, 
the more you can teach your kids to play, the better off you're going to be, especially when you get into February. And, and if you're still playing in March, obviously you're in a really, really good spot. But that that seems like, to, to me, that would make the most sense because at that point, you're going to have a catalog of games behind you and really smart coaches are going to take those things away, like you were talking about with Coach Mettenbrink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we try and do when, when we scout teams, obviously, and and everybody's trying to do the same thing. You, number one, you don't want to want their best player to beat you. Number two, you know, if you know what they're doing, here's how we're going to defend it. Mm-hmm. It makes life a lot simpler. Yeah. Do, do you have a, a little bit of a, a calendar as you're, as you're, as you've gone to this philosophy that, you know, I'd like to see us looking like this by December 10th. And I would, I would kind of like to see, you know, and, and some of that is intangible. It's kind of immeasurable, but you kind of have that vision in your mind of, well, we should kind of be about here by December 10th. We should be about here by the holiday tournament. And this is what it should look like. And, and then you, then you reevaluate at that point when it comes to your motion work. And maybe if we're not getting it by the holiday tournament, maybe we do need to put in a couple more sets uh, to be a little bit more organized or maybe it's not working the way we want it to. Absolutely. And, and each team seems to be a little bit different, obviously. You've got a different group of girls that you're trying to mesh. Um, you know, this year uh, we may end up having a couple freshmen step in and play a little bit. And, and so... You know, what are they capable of? Um, what are the other kids capable of? You're trying to look at things. Um, we, we only try and get so much done the first three weeks of practice. I mean, you can't put everything in. It's just, I think, mentally impossible for the kids. Mm-hmm. And so we just try and we just try, we're going to do this. For the first game, after that, we're going to add as we go along during the year. And, you know, um, that seems to have, have worked for us a little bit. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll just kind of continue on that time frame is, is, is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, it, it makes sense, and, and your philosophy has has led to a, a, a tremendous program that you've built out there. Um, in in the metropolis of Kearney, Nebraska, you know. Uh, so, uh, Rick, I'm I'm glad you finally came on. I finally, I I feel like I was able to uh, lasso you in here and 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 bring you in. And and I I hope you've enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin this morning. Oh, absolutely! I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I probably should have done this before now. Yeah. Uh, well. Better late than never. I, I, I forgive you. I forgive you, Rick, I, I, from the bottom of my heart. So you and then one other person who I've, I've been trying and trying to convince her, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at, at her from Saunders County, a big public school in Saunders County. I won't mention her <laughs> name, you know, who... They used to film the Letterman show in this town. But her, again, not to say too much about who I'm talking about, Linda Walker, who I've been trying to convince to come on here, and, and she just won't do it. Uh, but again, I don't want to 
to put anybody, throw anybody, Linda Walker, under the bus here, that she won't come on here. So, uh, but you, you and Oh, I, I yeah. So, Rick, why don't you hear? Can you do a favor for me? And we're going to put this on public record because we're still recording right now. Give Linda a call or send Linda a text. Say, I went on Marty's podcast. It was painless. It was a lot of fun. We had a great conversation. Come on, you know, why don't you come on here and, and check it out? So, I'll do that. I'll send her an email. All right. That, that'd be great. So, well, Rick Petrie, uh, girls basketball coach at Kearney Catholic High School. Uh, again, Rick, thanks so much for coming on here. Uh, I got to wrap up with a couple of things, so won't you hold the line here? Um, and we'll we'll wrap everything up. So, uh, again, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for their support of the podcast, their sponsorship. Uh, again, if you're in need of chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at Pen and a Napkin. That's the, the handle name. So uh, we try to put out daily coaching stuff here. I've uh, been really busy teaching and haven't been able to put as much on the, the Twitter handle as I would have liked uh, lately, uh, but this week I'm, I'm going to get back out of here. Uh, download, rate, review this podcast. It was a great conversation with Coach Petrie along with many others here. Um, give us five-star reviews so we can move up the rankings. Again, we want to help coaches to hone their craft. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, Email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. My name is Marty Plum. This has been Rick Petrie from Kearney Catholic High School. Coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.